Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live, and thank you for joining us live here for another Thursday evening, uh, June 17th, Uh, and it's a great week. We're coming, uh, obviously, on the cusp, if you will, of the U.S. Open, the Men's U.S. Open. Uh, It's going through this weekend, and of course, it will finish up on Sunday, Father's Day, traditionally, Uh, so happy Father's Day to all you dads out there, and and, um, I know you're going to have a good time uh, celebrating this weekend, and particularly Uh, Those of you that enjoy watching the U.S. Open, uh, you're going to be especially excited if your player uh, that you support uh, wins uh, on Father's Day. So uh, we're going to be excited right along with you. Um, Always excited to do these shows live, and uh, I'm going to introduce the panel here in just a moment. Uh, And a little bit later on in the show, I'm going to be joined by two special guests, uh, Jill Streit, who is an LPJ Class A member and uh, owner of Versatile Golf, and she'll be joined by Jasmine Hall. They've been on before, and she is the development director of Elevate Phoenix, which is a great uh, organization. And they're going to come on and talk about another event um, that they're going to be supporting, um, which will include some great uh, professionals uh, from the PGA Champions Tour, Tom Lehman and his son, and also PGA Tour Champions player Mark O'Mara and his son, uh, they're going to be battling it out in a two-man team match play format uh, this uh, uh, Father's Day. So uh, they're going to come on and talk about that and some of the benefits uh, for the charity, uh, Elevate Phoenix, all the good stuff that goes with it. So excited to have them back on the show. They've talked about it before, and uh, they're coming into their second annual uh, this weekend. So they're equally excited about that as well. All right, joining me on the Coach's Corner panel tonight, first up is John Hughes. He's a PGA Master Professional and was the Honorary President for the North Florida PGA Section. Uh, he was also a recipient of the 2013 PGA of America's Horton Smith Award. And he's a Senior Editor and Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 Instructor, plus part of the Golf Tips Advisory staff. Always glad to have John on board. And equally excited to have uh, our other guest is Jamie Leno-Zimron, a good friend as well. And she's a Class A LPJ teacher professional, a sixth-degree Aikido black belt, uh, somatic psychologist, corporate speaker, and mind-body fitness trainer. And she graduated Phi Beta Kappa from Stanford University. And she's also the creator of Kiai Golf, The Centered Way. So, Jamie and John, uh, once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live's Coach's Corner. Thanks, thank Ted. you, Ted. Yeah, and thank you, John. It's great to always great to be with you on the show. All right, so we're going to have an interesting discussion tonight. Um, 
we're going to get a, a little bit away from the lesson T, if you will, for, for this evening's discussion. And we're going to talk about millennial golfers or millennials in general. Uh, this has sort of been a beast, if you will, for the golf industry and how to figure out how to approach and, and what some of the uh, things that they're looking for their golf experience, for those that are interested in golf, and for those that have kind of expressed a, a little bit of an interest, uh, I'm going to briefly give you an outline, and then we're going to get into a uh, discussion. And then I'm also going to talk about tonight um, about uh, a couple of organizations, the PGA of America and also the LPGA organization. I'm talking particularly on the teacher side of things. Um, you know, there's thousands and thousands of members uh, all across the United States uh, in both organizations, um, and obviously a lot of uh, touring professionals as well. Uh, that are part of the organizations, but there seems to be a little bit, so we're going to start with this conversation here very briefly first, is a little bit of stagnation in recruiting new and younger teaching professionals. There's certainly uh, some out there, uh, but just to give you an example, the, the uh, PGA of America's membership, average age of their teaching profession division hovers around the age of 60. Uh, so they're getting up there, and nothing wrong with that. I'm pushing that number pretty soon myself. Um, but it's interesting when I, I was reading an article recently about that, guys, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Um, you may or may not disagree, and first off, you can express your, your opinion on that, whether you agree or disagree, but just some things I've read recently. Uh, obviously, they're both very strong organizations, have been around for a long, long time, and do a, a fantastic job, but I've noticed that there seems to be a stagnation in getting new and younger teacher professionals out, um, and I want to get your thoughts. John, I'm going to start with you. Um, what do you think of that statement I've just made? Uh, do you agree, disagree, half agree, what have you? And then, Jamie, I'm going to get, let you uh, respond as well. Well, first off, thanks again, Ted, for having me part, as part of the show. Uh, Jamie, looking forward, as always, to having a great conversation with you. Ted, it's almost like you were sort of fly on the wall recently in some governance meetings that I'm fortunate enough to be part of as honorary president of North Florida PGA. Uh, our career consultants, our employment department, or career consultant department, I should say, very focused right now on recruiting and retention, and a lot of different points, uh, bullet points brought up as to why it is difficult to get the younger generation involved to become a PGA professional, varying from uh, the the salaries, the remuneration that they'll get from potential employers. Uh, definitely balance of life or life balances, as everybody's calling it, the ability to say that I work 40 hours, not 400 hours, which is traditional within our are part of the industry. It's it's not uncommon for us to work the the hours that we've done, but that's no longer not only socially acceptable, it's never necessarily been legally acceptable either. But one of the things that we have to overcome is talking about negatives and start talking about the positives of becoming a PGA professional, getting involved in the back end of the industry, helping people with their games, helping people run their tournaments, helping people just put group things together for themselves, whether it's golf-related or not, at the golf club. 
And the younger generation can certainly get involved with that. Uh, PGA's taking a very proactive stance to try to retain the people we currently have and and sort of pick their brains as to what really needs to happen to gain more traction there. The number that you said, 60, it's I think the number is 56.5 or 58.5 is the average mm-hmm. age. And we're not getting any younger. Nobody is any day of the year. We're all getting older. And there are right. going to be more jobs out there available than PGA professionals, or for that matter, the number I heard, PGA and LPGA combined. So, yeah, it's it is a it it's a point of emphasis under current President Jim Richardson's reign as PGA president. It's something that we, as an association of twenty nine thousand, have to look at and say who's gonna who's gonna take the reins from us as we retire. Uh, and it it is something that we're poignantly looking to find creative ways to bring more people into the industry and show them what an enjoyable career this can be. Well said. And, and uh, no, I wasn't a fly, a fly on the wall, but I've, I've heard some things as well. And, and uh, certainly a lot of similar things that, that you've just uh, articulated. Uh, Jamie, I want to get you in on this as well a little bit. Um, you perhaps might have a little uh, different perspective, but I just want to add one more thing to the conversation before I get you to respond. And it, it's something that I, you know, obviously the LPGA organization, as, as well as the PGA, have done a great job uh, over the years in, in not only recruiting, but, um, you know, supporting their members, uh, you know, as, as best they can. Uh, but I wonder, with it, with part of the problem, and and I'm going to take a, and I'm going to paraphrase what he said here a little bit. Uh, but something that Jack Nicholas said a number of years ago, when it came to actually tour players, and he said one of the things that he noticed that you know when he was growing up, and and many of the players that that followed uh, along with him at that time, they went out and kind of proved themselves, um, and and sort of got notoriety out of uh, how their game you know stacked up against one another. And, you know, I wonder with some of the younger teaching professionals, as an example, that because of changes in social um, climate, if you will, with social media and things like that, if many of them are more concerned with creating a brand um, before they've really gone out and done much teaching um, at an earlier stage. You know, Nicholas talked about players as an example, that there were a lot of them that were coming out on tours, both men and women, that were you know, more geared around driving a social um, platform uh, before they really wanted an event um, or even really contended in an event. And I wonder if that's maybe why we're not seeing, uh, you know, that younger generation as much is because they're more wrapped into creating brands and and that sort of thing. What do you think on that? And then an overview, do you agree with, with the earlier statement that I made? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I'm most familiar with what's going on in the LPGA um, in Spain. Mm-hmm. And the LPGA has grown, um, I think we're, we're closing in on 2,000 teaching professionals, which is a much smaller number than the PGA. But, sure. you know, it, it used to be in the hundreds, and then it got up to 11, 1,200. So we're pushing 2,000 uh, teachers, and we've become more global. Mm-hmm. We've got um, a teacher training program going on in Korea, for example, you know, in some other countries. So, um, you know, we're expanding opportunities for women as golf professionals and, you know, young women. I think a couple things. One is 
uh, you know, I don't know the golf pro is on somebody's uh, guidance counselor list, right? When you're looking at um, right. a golf professional, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up or what's a profession, even if you're in high school or college, that you're thinking about uh, what's a profession that you choose or a career path that you're going to choose. And, you know, I think people think uh, in a way, well, okay, you're a good player, and so you can be a golf pro. That's not really what it is. I mean, the LPGA's approach has been, I think, um, quite substantial in terms of developing golf professionals as uh, very professional educators as well as business people. And so I think Mm -hmm. if we begin to look at a golf pro, not just as, oh, yeah, I'm a good player, oh, yeah, kind of give me lessons kind of person, or, yeah, they run a pro shop, no. I mean, there's a lot that goes into being um, an instructor, an educator, just as there, and, you know, you get a a teaching degree to teach in, you know, in schools. And we have about a seven-year process, I think, that it is to get, uh, so uh, I I went through it about as fast as you can. still took seven years of education, of testing at different uh, points along the way. And so it's a very robust. Um, professional career path in terms of learning to be uh, a real educator and you need to develop business skills, um, uh, you know, both in the PGA and in the LPGA. So um, so that's the first thing is I think it really needs to be defined so that it, uh, it being a golf professional, um, really it sticks in younger people's heads as this is a career path. I can choose that. And to understand we have to educate them that you know there's lots of opportunities in within working in the golf industry and working as a golf professional so if we can define that better and make it a real career path that has opportunities in different directions through the years and decades of your life I think that would be a big help you know you think of being a doctor or lawyer think of being a golf professional um, and you know as a as a very professional profession so that's the first thing and with opportunities uh, I think we, uh, there also has to be a good opportunity to make a living. So sometimes I know pros have kind of finished their their education. They end up kind of working in a pro shop for a very small hourly wage. Then they're kind of uh, maybe they get to teach um, at the club or uh, there's not that many opportunities, like kind of shrinking opportunities as an independent contractor. And that's not the easiest way to make a living because you've got to give a percentage to the facility. You have no benefits. You have no pension plan. You know, you have no coverage. Um, You're just kind of out there as an independent contractor. So you have more freedom, but you don't really have a lot of job security and um, financial security. So, you know, these are the kinds of things we have to think about. The other is that there's, um, you know, we've been trying to grow the game, and the game is growing all of a sudden much more because of uh, COVID. So as we're changing the demographics of golf, we're raising more kids through the and girls through the LPGA USG Girls Golf Program, and that's creating you know a younger demographic in golf and also more opportunities for younger people as they're you know coming up and looking at well what am I going to do what do I want to do in my life? So I hope that yeah you know, I, I agree. There's more things I could say, but those are uh, those are some some top things I think. There have to be real remunerative and cool and interesting jobs whether it's coaching, teaching, uh, working at private facilities, working at munis, you know, all kinds of things. So we really have to define it as a profession, as a career path. Yeah, and I think – I agree. Great great points as well, Jamie. You're, you're exactly spot on. And, and I applaud, um, as I have many times, the LPJ um, for a lot of the initiatives that they've taken to really grow the game from, you know, its earlier founders up to uh, some of the pioneers in today's market that are really – 
you know, pushing to bring this to, you know, the forefront for so many young, young women and young girls, particularly um, just exposing them to the game and, and what some of the benefits and things that uh, can be had if they, you know, participate, not just, um, you know, getting out and getting some fresh air and, and hitting the ball around, but business opportunities as well. So there are some great things. And I agree with that. And, and I think that, you know, part of it too is, um, and I know there's been discussions about this, is sort of isolating, um, you know, what it means and, and the different options available. I mean, I know, for instance, a lot of, uh, and I'm going to go back to the PGA here for, for a few moments, but, you know, I know a lot of PGA professionals that really got into it because they wanted to teach and they didn't really care so much about the business side. They didn't really care so much about, you know, wanting to work in the pro shop and that. They just enjoyed giving lessons. So I, I think we, we've got to maybe find, uh, and, and I'm sure they're doing a lot of this stuff now, but maybe finding other options so that it's not just, you know, one size fits all. You come in, you get your certifications and so on and so forth, and you're doing, you know, wearing several different hats. Um, some people may gravitate more to the business side of things and others may want to be out in the lesson tee or, or do other aspects as well. So there may be some options for more flexibility there, giving, you know, uh, people a, a choice of which direction they want to go in. Um, certainly, you have to have knowledge of a little of everything, but I think that, uh, again, some may want to gravitate to to one. So the reason why I wanted to start off with that is it sort of introduces the next part of our conversation tonight, and that is the millennial uh, gang out there, that, that sort of 20-something to, to early to mid-40 uh, range uh, falls into the millennials. And it's interesting, and I'm going to read something out here and then we're going to get into uh, a specific discussion. But the question is posed is, what do millennial golfers, we're going to stick with golfers here for a second, uh, want? Uh, and, and just to read out a little bit here, golf alone is, is not enough for many millennials. They want golf plus. Developing, as an example, developing the concept of golf plus, enhancing golf experiences by combining the activity with other things that millennials love, such as uh, affordable adventures, uh, technology usage, listening to music as well. Um, unfortunately, drinking and even flirting in there uh, is thrown in there as well. So I was reading uh, something interesting, and that's why I'm going to bring this in. I'm going to go back to you first, John. Um, you know, those are some of the things through discussions and, and surveys and whatnot that they've you know, spoken to a, lo a lot of millennials, and those are some of the things that they're interested in. And the National Golf Foundation put together – uh, six changes that, that based on their uh, surveys and, and, and whatnot that uh, golf, the golf brand in general, uh, need to change if they want to engage millennials. Uh, and the first one is uh, golf could stand to chill a little. Uh, and what I mean by that is golf is an extremely traditional game and owes much of success to an adherence uh, to long-lasting customs However, the mindset doesn't have to extend to the messaging around the game. Uh, successful brands earn Gen Y or millennials uh, love by stepping away from the traditional and formal marketing game and instead embracing new ways to align with the mindset of millennials. So what is your thought there? Do you think that maybe as an industry, um, you know, and again, we're not saying dismiss or get rid of traditional golf, but that's not necessarily what a lot of millennials are looking for. They're engaging a lot of other activities, and to them, you know, they're kind of sitting on the fence. What do you think of that, uh, what I just read out? Um, what are your thoughts here? Do you think that maybe we need to, as they say, chill a little? 
that's a great way of saying it. Uh, I had a discussion at a dinner several years ago with someone from Scotland who was very traditional. And I introduced what I felt were still traditional ways of introducing people to a game, respecting the traditions, yet opening it up to fun, just just the word fun. And that's a word that I use quite often on your show. It, it was amazing where this debate went. The entire table was debating with us at one point. And I had the entire table debating against me, and I just kept coming back to the word fun and how everybody else is introduced to other sports or other activities in ways that tease them at first, that get, catches their interest and ties something to something else they do. And that's sort of what that statement read, uh, if you really think mm-hmm. about it. How else does golf tie into things, which is why top golf is just going nuts right now and, and doing really well even through a pandemic. Uh, that's why mm-hmm. a lot of clubs are gaining social memberships because golf is only part of what they want to do. They want to have a dinner with friends and go to a nice place for dinner and be able to say, you know what, our friends at our club also believe in global warming, so we're going to do this as a special project or we're going to go build a Habitat mm-hmm. for Humanity house or what have you. And, and it's not too much different from other generations. The way the new generations go about it is it's more priority. It's more mm-hmm. about balance of life because they've seen their parents or their grandparents work really hard, save up a lot of money and a lot of toys, and then when it's time to retire, they can't use them because they're worn out. And that's really where I see the industry going is how do you pair these things together so it is more balanced, number one. But number two, as you accumulate the toys, i.e., I got to buy a set of golf clubs for two grand, or you accumulate the things in the closet, such as the jacket from the club where you went, where you were a member, these all tie together into the word fun, into enjoyment. And from a let's chill out standpoint of view, relaxing the rules, relaxing a little bit of of decorum as it relates to apparel and and what the proper dress code is. There's a lot of different ways of looking at that particular statement. But what it all boils down to is let's find a gateway. Let's find an entryway for this particular generation to come into the game, feel warm and fuzzy about it and have them understand the connections of the game to other parts of their priority systems, whether it is philanthropic or, or it's family-oriented. It's just a matter of, of uh, the chill-out is more the traditionalist stating, going to them and basically stating, hey, this is how you, were, you got involved early on, whether you recognize it or not. Someone made it that easy and can made, connected the dots for you. It's just a different way of doing it. 20, 30, 40, 70 years later, whatever that traditionalist age may be. Right, right. Well said. Um, and, and Jamie, I want to move, I've I, I got to move the conversation on to, to the, the next uh, uh, point here, and I'm going to let you answer this one. Uh, and that is to um, let your millennial customers and friends help. In other words, take advantage of their 
uh, millennial customers that you already have, including those uh, closest to your business, uh, employees, for instance, best customers, and others uh, within that age group of friends. Um, millennials love to co-create with their favorite products and services. So let them help you discover uh, the changes they would recommend to make the game more attractive to their friends and circle of influence. So, um, you know, consider some of those different projects. Talk about that a little bit, because I think that's something, too. You know, we, we all in, the, in any industry, it's not just golf, but in any industry, we just think, well, let's, how can we get more customers? But we're not really including sometimes the customers in creating uh, the fun, if you will. It's just, well, come on out. We'll give you some lessons. We'll get you out playing this game. Again, a more of a traditional approach. And time is a big issue for, for people. John raised a, a great point that I think you can put in here as well. And, and that is millennials particularly recognize that, you know, they don't want to work for 60 years and, you know, accumulate this stuff and then be too old and decrepit to get out and enjoy it. They want to get out and enjoy life now while they can um, and, and they're willing to work and they're willing to do things, but they want to go about it a little bit different. So what about getting them involved in, in helping to create and, and making golf more interesting? What do you think? Well, in any business situation, right, you want to survey your audience and talking about ask them, you know, create some focus groups, really go to um, younger people and particularly, you know, the 20, 30, 40-somethings, right? Um you know, we're mm-hmm. talking about millennials. As I think we already got Gen X and Z, and you know, um, so uh, we got to yeah. go after the millennials already. Yeah, um, but yeah, so, you know, survey, ask them, focus groups, talk to them, um, and not come with our traditional mindset. And I think that's a big lesson in almost every field, and it's certainly true in golf. You know, I, I'm thinking about how. This is a big issue in Aikido, which is martial art practice. Um, everybody's talking about that. We've got, you know, um, like the older folks, right? <laughs> We're kind of top-heavy on that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, why is that? And it's kind of interesting. It's like in the martial arts, well, we got to do more MMA and, you know, all this, you know, dramatic, fancy stuff. And, like, is that really it? Same thing with golf, you know, compared to, say, uh, faster sports or more exciting sports or extreme sports and adventures and things like that. So, um, but I think that it's important that we bring some of that kind of energy into golf. Um, less time consuming is important because so many people say that while they're raising their families, um, you know, they, they just don't have enough time for golf plus working. So how can we bring golf more into um, uh, the, the workplace for one? Um, and, you know, the, because there are lots of opportunities in business golf, but, uh, you know, actually create time where people can uh, participate you know, and go play golf because those things are fun and the formats are fun, whether it's scrambles and shambles and things that people uh, who aren't the greatest golfers can do and, and the social aspects and the networking aspects, uh, the fun aspects, all the um, contests and things. So, you know, I think we need to build that in more. But I think we need to maybe open up our minds as well as we also listen to um, younger people and, you know, why would golf be attractive to you compared to other activities, Right. Well, um, right. it, it, having, having trips and adventures, people really like that, going on golf holidays and, um, you know, making things interesting, making them fun, maybe bringing in some history, all that kind of stuff. Um, so golf trips, I think, are a great kind of thing. Um, things like, you know, uh, riding <laughs> segways, right? <laughs> We've seen those where people are uh, carrying their clubs by riding the segway or um, you know, there's um, soccer golf so that, you know, maybe you're uh, kicking the ball and then you're golfing the ball and, you know, doing some combo kinds of things. Um, 
speed golf is kind of a fun thing, maybe combining um, jogging with golfing, uh, things like that. So I think our facilities might need to change from traditional golf itself. Um, and mm-hmm. I think we've been looking at that in a lot of different ways. But how can we bring in a little bit more, uh, you know, bring in some different kinds of energy and, and have our, our clubs, whether they're private or public facilities, offer some, um, you know, variations that make things more exciting and more fun. Top Golf has been successful because it's been, you know, uh, like some of the factors you were talking about, it's brought in technology, it's brought in, you know, it's making it kind of a bowling alley, right? You're hanging around, you're having fun, you're flirting, right. drinking, you're music, you're uh, having a good time, you're socializing, it's got some technology, it's got some competition, uh, it's got a lot of things going for it, and we can see what a success it is. So uh, I think those are the, some of the kinds of issues, and for some of the old old timers and a, a traditionalists, which I'll, you know, I'm, I'm a lot, I'm, I'm more than that way than the new ways, newer ways. But I think we've really got to open up our minds and get get hip in a lot of different ways. How, you know, how do we make golf continue to be golf, but make it a lot more hip? And and the word fun, I think, is important. So I would kind of say uh, fun, hip, cool, uh, and um, contemporary. Well, and and this is something, uh, before we move on, I just want to make a quick point. You're exactly right in in your analogy, um, Jamie, so thank you for that. Um, But this goes back to my original question about getting more, you know, younger generation engaged in, um, you know, the teaching aspect. And I think maybe part of the reason they're, in some cases, a little bit apprehensive is because we're sort of, again, moving them into that traditional teaching um, maybe what we need to do as new generations come in um, you know give them a little bit of, of you know what we're doing but also let them be creative and you know uh, for instance I've talked to a number of young uh, kids who you know are interested in golf and it's not that they don't like traditional golf but they're they're not just all they don't care so much about perfecting their golf swing they want to have fun and you know they're out there creating apps and on on how to uh, you know, do different things and, and improve and enhance their experience. And even some of the companies in the golf industry, uh, Bushnell, for instance, uh, created basically uh, a speaker um, that does GPS and does that, that you clip on, uh, it, um, you know, through a magnetic clip uh, attaches to the golf cart. So not only can you get the yardage and stuff, uh, you know, by just asking it, uh, but it can also play a little music as well. So, Again, they're already moving in that direction. So, John, it, you know, Jamie already touched on this, um, and as you did as well, is, is sort of embracing the millennial social culture. And we're not referring to necessarily social media, but, you know, um, the main thing is that generation is extremely social. And they want to get together. They want to have shared experiences. And, you know, they don't mind going out in the golf course, but again, to what we talked about, they want to have fun. Um, so we need to find ways of, of attracting what typically is non-golfers and, and showing them that it can be a fun experience by doing uh, different things. What, what are your thoughts here? Those are, those are in what we in the past have called programs, and we're just relabeling them to call them experiences or events or journeys which is a little bit more inviting term or terms and implies that you're going to do it with more than just one person. 
But what it also implies is you can customize it. You can craft your own journey or experience or event. When it comes to the traditional, I'll use one that's very popular, uh, wine, women, and Wednesdays. Uh, I'm sure a lot Mm -hmm. of coaches and facilities do that. That's an interesting label to put on it. But does it, why should it only include women? Well, there's a lot of good reasons for that. The way the millennials look at it is when the women are done, in come the men, and they're participating in the wine and the Wednesday. Uh, they're they're mm-hmm. looking at things more holistically and, and willing to mm-hmm. wait their turn when needed, but they do thrive on that social aspect. Uh, our facility had, had the section junior championship the past four days, and it was – the parents were very social with one another. It, the connections that they make as they drive their kids to different places within our section to play different events, it was obvious that these social connections expand beyond just the golf course, that they're going to each other's homes or for dinner or going to play golf <clears> together <throat> or going on trips that are non-golf related together. Uh, all those things are important to that generation. And as golf embraces more of these ideas and recreates better labels to have people understand we're not trying to be exclusive to one sex or the other. We're just trying to focus on one particular group for a short to give them their customization, to give them what they're looking for. But everybody's welcome as well. Uh, that that's turning a corner. Uh, from an inclusive standpoint of view, that's turning a corner in more ways than one. And, and as we go forward, I think you're going to see a lot of progress in that area to have everybody feel like they're warm and welcome and inclusive within a group. It really wouldn't matter who you are or what you do or how well you play. Yeah, well said. Um, number four, I'm going to skip past this one just, again, because of time, but we've, we've really kind of touched on this. But I just want to read it so that we know it. golf alone is, is not enough for millennials um, or for many of them anyways. They want, as I mentioned earlier, that sort of golf plus experience, developing uh, that experience and including things like Top Golf and, and apps, uh, you know, enhanced golf carts, golf boards, golf bikes, everything, uh, you know, even from – the attire that we're wearing out in the golf course. So that's a, a really uh, driving force with that community as well as they, they don't want the typical plaid, uh, you know, slacks and, and uh, you know, the Johnny Miller, uh, you know, pants and, and shirt or Nicholas and, you know, some of the, the older generation, um, you know, that for them is not what, what gets them excited. They sometimes just want to wear flip flops and, and um, you know, uh, board shorts and things like that. And, and so it's a much more relaxed. So, but uh, Jamie, I want to talk about this because this is an area too um, that really differentiates that demographic from a lot of others. And, and the number five is is coopetition uh, is is good uh, in traditional marketplace and businesses uh, compete in a winner takes all contest. Um, today, many companies uh, must cooperate and compete uh, in order to create, uh, you know, maximum value for each, uh, in the marketplace. So, uh, it, they call it coopetition. 
so we see this manifesting in, manifesting excuse me, in two key areas for the brand of golf, and I'm going to get you to respond to here in a moment. Um, Top-down uh, competition from the biggest industry stakeholders is the most pr- practical way for the brand of golf to participate in a cohesive, consistent image uh, you know, coming from organizations, uh, leading organizations like the LPGA, the Masters, PGA of America, PGA Tour, and, and USGA and others uh, working to promote that message. And yet, but there's also the bottom up at the local level. Course operators can work together to present a unified message about the benefits of the game. The grassroots competition will drive, uh, help to drive player development, increase minority and female participation, and more effectively activate uh, you know that latent demand. So there's really two ways of approaching this, and I want to get your thoughts on that because that's something really that I think in a lot of ways is becoming newer, uh, not only to golf but uh, to business in general. Um, I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, I think you're touching on, in a sense, a culture issue. And what I mean is, mm-hmm. if we're honest, golf has pretty much a history of being uh, quite white, quite elite, and quite male. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of coming, we in golf, or uh, the golf world is coming from that place. And so to be more relevant, to be more attractive, to be more um, uh, up-to-date, you know, <laughs> is to be much more inclusive. Sure. Um, to deal with issues of, you know, safe, uh, sexism, racism, class issues, um, affordability issues, heterosexism, you know, all these kinds of things. And so, you know, this to me is what uh, younger generations, millennials and after, I'm not sure if we're, we're talking about Gen Z is the, the name, Gen X or Z, but, um, you know, that's what we're looking at. The world is really changing, and golf in a way has got to, has come, is coming from, uh, a deep tradition that isn't those things so much, you know, that hasn't been inclusive. And so uh, I think one of the exciting things that we're seeing, for example, with the LPGA um, in particular, it's happening in general, but um, even more so, I think the LPGA is almost leading it, is to become more international. And, you know, so we're mm-hmm. seeing on tour now, we're starting to see, you know, players from different countries, right? And um, whether that's in Europe, in mm-hmm. Asia, um I think we, you know, still are working to have more African-Americans and more Africans, um, uh, you know, golf courses and opportunities. So, you know, these are, these are all really big issues. Um, and who, uh, who is kind of at the top? Who's the leadership uh, of, of our organizations and who's, who's visible? Um, so for golf to be more cool, more attractive, more inclusive, I think we have to address those kinds of issues. Um, and uh, so co-opetition in the sense of there needs to be a lot more, uh, you know, people opportunities and people coming together from, you know, different, different demographics than have been the very mm-hmm. traditional culture of, of golf. And we kind of have to face that head on. Uh, and I think that that is, that is happening. And I see that in those are trends in general, I think, as we're, you know, moving now into the 2020s and post-pandemic, and the world is changing. And, you know, as golf gets with that and as quick more, the more consciously and quickly we can move in that direction, I think that we're going to find a lot more vitality in the game itself and more, more participation. It's going to be more attractive. It's not going to be seen as this kind of, you know, the gentleman's only thing, right? 
Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and that's a, th- those are excellent points because, and, and you're exactly right. You know, I think, uh, and I think what, what, it, again, if we're being honest, but part of the problem is I think, you know, we, we use this word, you know, cooperation and instead of uh, competition, that doesn't mean that suddenly we're going to stop competing in golf, that, you know, the tours are going to change. Well, we're not going to compete. Everybody's going to get this and everybody's going to do that. That's not what really it's about. It's, it's about creating, you know, a, a, an opening for others that maybe, you know, don't necessarily really come out there to compete per se. They just want to go out and enjoy and, and uh, you know, dip their toe in the sand, so to speak, in, in something that they maybe have never tried before. And we saw that through the pandemic, you know, as we saw the, the number of rounds, not only from, you know, our, our regular avid golfers, but new people came out as well that had never played the game before uh, just because of, you know, they, they couldn't do anything else and thought, heck, why not? I might as well try golf. Uh, you know, it's about the only thing I can do. And believe it or not, a lot of them thought, hey, this isn't so bad. Um, so we want to be able to keep those folks as well. Uh, we don't want to lose that, that, you know, uptick, if you will, that we've been experiencing last year because we've sort of reverted back to our, our old way of thinking. Uh, and, and so a lot of changes are going to be made. And, and it's like anything. Change sometimes uh, can, can be a little fearful for some, um, but it can also be a, a good thing if it's handled in the right way. And I think this is where, again, coming from a top-down and also a bottom-up, it can't just be, you know, the leaders in golf, the big organizations saying, well, this is what we're going to do, and everybody's got to sort of fall in line. You, you can't do that. You've got to get, you know, the grassroots level, and you've got to reach out, as you pointed out, Jamie, earlier, is you've got to be able to reach out to, um, you know, those millennials and the Gen Zs and those coming after them, and you know, X, Y, Z, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of groups coming out now. But, um, you know, you, you've got to be able to reach out to them and find out what experience they're looking for uh, and give them an option. Don't just, again, put everybody in one spot and say, well, no, you've got to be doing traditional golf or you've got to do this. Um, they want options, and that's what they're really trying to say. John, the last one, and I'm going to let Jamie uh, jump in on this one as well uh, for any uh, thoughts. But uh, number six is improve the onboarding process. Uh, to make a better first impression. So let me just read something here quickly, and then, John, I want to get you to respond, and then, uh, Jamie, by all means, uh, join in as well. But uh, golf has many strong player development programs, but for one reason or another has not driven a sufficient proportion of beginners, including millennials, into them. Uh, Beginners entertaining the game via one of these programs would almost certainly be assured of a better first experience as opposed to playing with buddies and having the serious group behind them applying pressure to speed up and would be more likely to stick with the game. Um, A quarter of uh, interested non-golfing millennials is 4 million strong. So that's nothing to sneeze at. Um, Say no one has invited them. What are your thoughts here? And then, Jamie, I want to get you to uh, jump in as well. Great outlook on that as far as onboarding and, and retention goes. The, the the example used and what you stated, a couple of things pointed out. You really throw someone into the deep end of the pool without explaining to them it is the deep end and you'll need to kick to stay afloat. Uh, the, the idea behind golf, and I sort of mentioned this earlier, was, hey, is, are there ways to onboard somebody to allow them just to enjoy a small snippet of it? Over the pandemic, mm-hmm. I've seen a little bit of change in my business 
instead of vacation golf schools here in Florida, people were finding out that they could come to Florida for a month for the same amount of money they may come for for, say, three or four days, especially if they were looking to do an intensive two or three days of golf school. And these people in turn converted to beginners wanting to spend once a week, maybe twice a week, no more than a half hour, 45 minutes, doing something golf-wise. And it, it sort of forced my hand to rearrange how I brought people on board. Not only was I teaching it, maybe a assistant inside was teaching it, but we did it in small little snippets. It wasn't this big uh, to-do is the best way to say it, nor did someone mm-hmm. feel like they were being thrown into the deep end of the pool without any help. It, it was more, it, it wasn't hand-holding either because I don't think anybody really wants their hand held if they're trying to do something new. They just want to be guided and pointed in the right direction and given a little bit of support. So these three- and four-day golf schools turned into there's four millennials staying in a house together uh, with their families, and two of the families want to do some junior stuff, and the other two want to do some adult stuff. And let's just start out small, and we did. We started out small for the putting green, but the indoctrination to it was, hey, it doesn't have to be four hours. Hey, it doesn't. You don't need a set of golf clubs. The the onboarding is more. Let's take the barriers down, and make it inclusive and very welcome. But have them understand that as you grow with the game and your commitment, there's opportunities with that are mm-hmm. stated within the onboarding that you can take advantage of at your pace, versus having to go at the pace dictated by the old guard of, oh, you can't play golf without a set of golf clubs, and it's, it's X amount, and it's this, and it's that, the, that's the turnoffs that the, the younger generation is saying, look, this doesn't interest us. How, how about giving mm-hmm. us some, a little bit of leeway to get in, but also educate us prior to getting in so we know what to expect, but give it to us in small chunks because we have other things that we like to do can we find a way to mm-hmm. put all this together for us? And we'll stick around if we have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a great point, um, Jamie, you know, as well. I think, you know, that's something that I hear from a, a lot of the younger generation is, again, it, it goes back to what I said earlier with, with time management. And I think the perception from, and this is where, you know, I, I touched on a little bit in the, in the, with the previous point, um, and, and let me just add very quickly, you know, they're talking about the other thing is, is cooperative advertising campaigns between, you know, sort of the, the top down and, and the, the grassroots, if you will, and, and sort of a shared public relations message, if you will, and, and getting that information. Because, again, I think a lot of people that, that get exposed um, or, or their understanding of golf is either – playing 18 holes at a country club or the tour experience. And the message that they're saying is, you know, maybe this isn't for me. I, you know, I, I can't afford to do this, uh, and I sure as heck am never going to make it out on tour, um, so there's no other options available for me. So, uh, again, I, I want to get your thoughts, Jamie, on, on what we just talked about, um, maybe springboarding off of some of what John talked about and anything else that you want to add as well about really – 
creating that first, uh, a better first impression for some of these younger folks uh, coming into the, to the game? Well, I think that it's right on, you know, the perception of golf, and we've kind of been talking about this throughout the hour, the perception of what golf is, who plays, uh, needs to change. You know, it just needs to shift so that it doesn't have, you know, I mean, I've had so many people say, well, you know, uh, maybe I'll play golf when I'm older. <laughs> you know, when I have time, when I have money, mm-hmm. when I'm older, right. when I'm you know, not so physically fit. They don't see it as a fitness activity um, and the, you know, all the the ways that golf really can be very fun and very relevant. So I think if we can change that perception, and that goes that goes to marketing campaigns and that goes to opportunities to um, to step into golf, which is part of what I think Top Golf has been doing, but that can be done in other ways as well. Um, right. You know, I think that you know the a, a much more current mindset. You know, talking about time management or how can you sort of multitask or or meet a number of of goals, needs, purposes at once. So if you realize that, well, in golf, you're having fun, you are are actually developing fitness, physical fitness, uh, focus, mental focus, developing leadership qualities, developing uh, business relationship skills. Uh, um, you're connecting with other people through golf. You can, you're doing self-development, self-growth through golf, um, you know, dealing with, you know, different kinds of issues. Um, of course, you're having fun. So, you know, if you're meeting all of these kinds of needs, you can have a family experience through golf, uh, retreat kinds of experiences. So, you know, there's all kinds of uh, ways that I think we need to, um, to, to change, to shift the mindset and the impression that people have about golf. Because as I say, I mean, there's a very entrenched one. <laughs> and, um, and we have to deal with it. I think that's what we're kind of up against. And so I think once right. we, we really, really face that, take those reins, and that's why I really appreciate this conversation in you raising these issues and asking these questions today because I think they're ones that – uh, golf professionals and the golf industry really needs to be asking not only of ourselves, as we've been talking about earlier, in, um, of our audience or our you know potential expanded audience, right? Uh, <clears throat> mm-hmm. So that we know we we can't we don't have to only surmise. We can actually ask people and find out what some of the answers to those questions are. And I think that. You know, people have have different concerns today. They're also concerned about, for example, um, water usage, right, land usage, uh, the ecology of golf, and um, the um, the social accountability uh, of golf. And um, you know, I think so. I think that you know, the more that we really modernize our thinking and allow those things to change, without necessarily changing the game. Although, as I mentioned earlier, there are ways that we can. Um, expand the game and how it's played um, so that it isn't, it isn't the, only the traditional thing. So, you know, and we've been talking about, uh, you know, the different kinds of player development programs and how we can make them accessible and interesting and fun and really work so that, um, you know, people are, are finding that it's, it really is beneficial. I, I just wanted to um, bring up, I've always had this stick in my mind. I was playing golf one day with a student of mine and his nephew, so his nephew was at the time 16 years old, and he was the college, uh, the high school quarterback of his, his team, right? So he's this big, young, mm-hmm. cool guy, and uh, we're playing golf, and I can see him struggling. He's kind of struggling on the golf course anyways. And finally, by the 15th hole, he's standing over a putt, 
and he just sort of lost it. I mean, it was in a fun way, but he just, like, standing over the putt, walked away and just started, like, almost, like, kind of screaming and having a little fit, you know. It was like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> it was very right. funny, but, you know, he needed to move, and he needed more action, and he needed more expression, and it just wasn't working for him. <laughs> um, so that was really fun, you know. And uh, and I think that is some of the appeal uh, the, today of, you know, hitting a ball far and all that kind of stuff. I'm not, you know, a huge proponent of that, but I think that the a lot of the tour players, both male and female in the younger generation, is like, hey, you know, we are athletes and we are fit, and there's a lot that goes mm-hmm. into this, and uh, and there's a lot of emotional expression, there's a lot of mental development, there's a lot of character development, relationship development, and a lot of marketing opportunities, business opportunities. All this is involved in golf, and the more that we can kind of be get get really with that program, I think the better for for um, the future of golf, really, and for the inclusivity of I, I participation could, in golf. I, I couldn't agree more, and and some great great points uh, by both of you, and, and I think it, you know, just to go back on the marketing for a second, you know, I I, I love this game as as much as the next person, but you know, I got to be honest, I, I get tired of the same marketing campaigns. You know, I remember a couple of years ago uh, down at the, the live PGA show and, and, you know, walking around to the different booths and seeing equipment, you know, the latest, greatest equipment coming out and, you know, looking at the, and I got sticker shock and I can certainly well afford them, but I, I just thought to myself, you know, what are you doing here? You know, wh- <laughs> how is this going to help somebody for them to go out and spend, and I'm not going to name names, but, you know, $600 for a new driver, um, actually 600 plus. I mean, that's just, th- that's crazy. And, you know, the millennials look at that, you know, they're, they're trying to shed that stigma of, you know, it's a, a rich man's game or a rich person's game, but you're coming out. And, and don't get me wrong, I love the technology and I love a lot of the products that we see out there, but at the same time, I think that we have to find new ways of engaging the next generations because eventually what's going to happen is, you know, as, as unfortunately the rest of us start to move on down that path, um, the next generation is going to look at it and they're going to remember and they're going to say, you know, this, this was not really for us, and they're going to move on. And the other thing, too, which I think is critical, and there is a lot of movements happening, the thing that I think golf really forgets is unlike many other sports like football, baseball, soccer, lacrosse, you know, what have you, um, they're well entrenched in the school systems uh, as extracurricular activities. Golf is not. Golf is very limited in the school systems to collegiate and certainly some high school, but not every high school and not every collegiate um, opportunity. So, you know, we've got to get them started younger and get them exposed. And you can't do that by shoveling them out into what we call traditional golf and expect that the average family uh, is going to be able to gravitate to that when they know darn well they can't afford it. And John, it goes to your point. You know, if I can spend a month in Florida and and just having a, you know, being exposed to the game uh, for the same amount it would cost me to go to a a high level golf school for three or four days. Well, that's a no brainer. Uh, I would rather take the the month vacation and and play the local Muni uh, a few times while I'm down there and get out and have some fun somewhere else. So we've got to re- reshape our thinking, I think, a little bit. And that's not to, again, I don't want to misunderstand or have any misunderstandings that we just suddenly, sh- you know, shed everything else that's going on in golf. But we have to have options. 
and I think that there's those that want to gravitate to a more traditional game, that's fantastic. Continue doing that. But we also have to have other options, and we have to start changing some of our thinking um, if we want to continue for this game to truly grow. Because I, 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 I've talked to a number of people in various areas of this industry, not just the teaching side, but other areas as well, and they're sharing many of the same concerns that with this sort of influx of new uh, potential folks, if you will, that we've experienced this last year, um, if we want to keep them into this game, we've got to make some changes. Otherwise, they're just going to go back to whatever they were doing before, and ju- and, and we're not going to see those gains, and it's going to be for naught. So just my thoughts in closing. Uh, appreciate it as always, guys. You did a great job. Uh, I think it was a very robust uh, conversation. You brought some uh, great points on both sides, and I think this is one that we are going to have to keep uh, talking about in this industry uh, if we're going to truly uh, see some gains. But um, as always, guys, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, as we close out this segment of, of uh, Golf Talk Live, Coach's Corner, uh, give you guys an opportunity to uh, let the folks know if they want to reach out to you uh, or if you have anything special uh, that you want to promote at this time. Um, I'm going to go reverse order this time. Jamie, you go first, and then, John, I'll let you close out. Sure. People can reach me. And thank you very much, Ted. Thank you so much for this, uh, this topic, this conversation. I think we need to have so many more of them in so many places uh, throughout the industry. So and people can reach me at Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at kiigolf.com, K-I-A-I, golf.com. People can always call me, leave me a message, text me. I'll get back to you, 760-492-4653. Seven six zero four nine two golf. I can find me on Facebook, Jamie Leno Zimron, or The Centered Way. Also on LinkedIn. Those are um, kind of my main social media um, ways to reach me. And I'm doing a lot of uh, online virtual trainings, uh, lessons, as well as trainings and clinics, um, golf mastery schools, some mind body uh, fitness work, uh, swing patterning, all kinds of cool stuff. So. Um, you know, I'm working with people all over the country and even the world because virtual has become uh, such a way to reach more people. Uh, so, yeah, please reach out. And um, also, you know, just go to my website. I've got some, um, also some DVDs, instructional materials and things. So thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Not a, not a problem. Um, John, go ahead. As always, thanks, Ted. Very much an honor and opportunity to be part of the discussion. Jamie, as always, thank you for providing a lot of robust ideas uh, on the topic tonight. People can get a hold of me. It's real simple. Made it easy from the get-go. John Hughes Golf, whether it's social media, my email address, John at John Hughes Golf. It's very easy to do. I also want to promote my virtual platform, instantgolfimprovement.com. A way for you to reach me anywhere in the world, get a really good video golf lesson, and have access to a world-class library of instruction videos. Again, thanks, Ted. Very much appreciate it. Look forward to being on again soon. Not a problem. Thank you uh, both, as always, uh, for bringing your best. And uh, again, uh, I think it was a great discussion tonight. I think we covered a lot of different areas, and hopefully. Uh, for some of our fellow professionals that are listening into the show and, and also maybe some parents that are tuning in that have uh, uh, millennials and uh, not sure how to uh, go about things, uh, hopefully we gave you some food for thought. Um, but as always, guys, thank you very much for, for doing a great job on Coach's Corner, and I look forward to next time. Thank you both. All right. 
that was uh, John Hughes and Jamie Leno Zimron on the Coach's Corner panel. Always uh, an interesting discussion uh, that we have on the panel. And uh, I always look forward to uh, uh, to bring some new and interesting topics, I think, to uh, our panel discussions. And they always manage to do a great job, uh, uh, the gang on the Coach's Corner panel. All right, before I inter- uh, introduce tonight's uh, special guest, let's take a quick message from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. And just a quick side note, uh, for those of you that are not currently subscribers, or even if you are, uh, here's a great way to save, uh, especially with Father's Day coming up. Uh, You might want to uh, consider getting a gift for Father's Day. Right now on the print subscription, which is normally $14.97 for an annual subscription, if you go to the website golftipsmag.com and click on subscribe, and click again uh, subscribe under the print section, uh, and enter promo code GOLFTIPS21, you'll save over 30% off the annual subscription price, and you'll get it for $9.99. So it's very, very affordable. You'll get all six issues uh, for a year. And a lot of great tips in there, a lot of great articles, some travel destinations, and so forth. So make might make a great uh, gift for Dad. And uh, you can go to golftipsmag.com, click on subscribe, subscribe to the print uh, magazine, and enter promo code GOLFTIPS21. And it's upper or lower case, doesn't matter. Uh, and you'll save over 30% off of the regular annual subscription price and get it for just $9.99. So I hope you'll do that. Um, all right, I'm very excited to have both of these uh, young women on the show tonight. Uh, first up is Jill Streit. She is the owner of Versatile Golf, uh, and she is a Class A member and owner of that very successful golf event management company, which is located in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, she's uh, It's a very dynamic company, has been... Uh, in operation for, uh, she puts it, four busy years helping corporate and non-profit organizations get grass under their feet through tournaments, fundraisers, team building, and popular helicopter golf ball drops. Um, also joining tonight is Jasmine Hall. Uh, she began at uh, a great organization, Elevate Phoenix, in 2011 as a teacher mentor. Uh, she quickly found her niche in development and has been full steam ahead ever since. Uh, as the development director at uh, for Elevate uh, Phoenix, she uses her passion for the organization to further develop stable, consistent relationships between staff and more than 5,000 urban students within the Phoenix Union High School District. In addition to development, Jasmine serves as, as an adjunct professor at the Maricopa Community Colleges. So please welcome my very special guests, Jill Streit and Jasmine Hall. Good evening, ladies, and welcome to Golf Talk. Good evening, ladies. Thank Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Ted. Well, I I appreciate it. Thank you for coming back, and always uh, always excited to have uh, both of you on the show. I appreciate you uh, spending some time with me this Thursday evening, and I know we've got a lot to talk about. So I had to 
I had to edit out the the bios a little bit because you guys have got so much more going that we would have been here for the whole hour just describing everything. So I said, no, I've got to edit it, whittle it down a little bit. Sorry, ladies, because we got too much to talk about tonight. So uh, so I hope you'll forgive me. So we've got a That's great awful. event coming up this weekend. Yeah, we, <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do it. I couldn't help it. Um, but uh, so we've got a great event coming up this weekend. A couple of things. First of all, let me just uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, it. of course, it's uh, U.S. Open week. So uh, for the men and, and that's uh, certainly very exciting. And of course, Father's Day on Sunday, that's always exciting for uh, for dads out there. As I mentioned earlier in the show tonight, uh, you know, trying to see who their favorite player uh, might be. That's going to, you know, uh, sink that last uh, uh, putt in to, uh, to secure the, the title. Uh, but there's also another special event that's happening, uh, which, of course, is the second annual Father's Day match for a cause. So um, what I'm going to do is, Jill, I'm going to let you start off here and just talk a little bit about the event. Um, just sort of give us an overview. And there's some specific things we're going to get into, I know, but just kind of give us an overview of, of the event itself. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about this great event. Um, it is the second annual Father's Day match for a cause. Um, and the great thing is because we get to premiere this on Bally Sports Network um, and all major platforms, DirecTV, Dish Network, Hulu, all that good stuff. Um, but the nice thing about it is that it's going to be on in the morning. So um, it'll be on starting at 1030 in Arizona, 130 on the East Coast. Um, but it's a great way to kind of get your fix of golf and celebrate with your dad before watching the final round of the U.S. Open. Um, we have two amazing legends of the tour, Tom Lehman and Mark O'Mara, are paired up with their sons for a father-son match day challenge. And thanks to our friends at Troon Golf, uh, we had the pleasure of watching them battle it out. Lots of trash talking. I was a little surprised. Um, so lots of good banter on the golf course and some amazing golf. Um, so everybody will be able to watch. It's an awesome match play opportunity with all of the proceeds benefiting Elevate Phoenix. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but just a, another uh, quick note here, Jill, you're going to be co-hosting with Ray Adams, who's the executive producer of Match Play TV. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's very exciting. Last year, Ray gave me the no-brainer phone call of joining him as his co-host when we had Tom and his son Thomas go against Kirk Triplett and his son Sam. And the show was such a huge success that back then Fox Sports, which is now Valley's, said, you absolutely have to do it again. So for us to be able to do a second annual, we already have plans for a third annual, um, is really exciting. And Ray is such a seasoned pro with over 20 years of media experience, TV and radio. For me to be on as his co-host where we did a lot of on-course um, interview sessions with Mark and his son Sean, Tom and his son Thomas. And we weren't just talking about, you know, life on tour as far as give me some swing tips but we were able to really get into the Father's Day theme. And what was it like to be a touring dad and husband and still be present for your kids? Both Mark and Tom have such incredible relationships with their kids. Um, and it was fun to hear Thomas and Sam talk about what it was like to grow up with their famous fathers. And Thomas um, is on the developmental tour right now, so he is trying mm -hmm. to follow in his father's very large shoes. Uh, and Sean has his own clothing line. So he's got all of Mark's charisma and story 
storytelling. So it's a lot of inside the ropes to family life on tour that on a traditional broadcast every week, um, you don't always get all those fun stories. And there's just great, great conversations about when Tom won the Open, um, you know, with his family there and when Mark won the Masters and taking his son, Sean, who back then was just a young kid, to do the par three challenge at the Masters the same week that he won the Masters. So it's a lot of really insightful conversation and, and me being able to be out on the golf course with them. And as somebody who's played golf since I was seven with my own father, um, you know, it, it was really special to be able to watch their relationships with each other. And Tom and Mark um, have a really great friendship. Uh, lots of competition there, though, even though this was a friendly charitable event. <laughs> Um, they still did a, a little bit of ribbing out there. Um, so it's, it's going to be a really fun show and, and a great way for families to kind of gear up for the final round of the U.S. Open by watching this event. Do the sons get into the ribbing a little bit too, or is it strictly the dads that oh, kind of yeah. banter back and oh, forth? Yeah. And, well, and the funny thing is you would think Thomas and Sean would have. Oh, no, they're giving the business to their dads. Oh yeah, there was there was, it was very it was very comical, you know. And Mark is such a fun personality, and he's he's been there, done it, see it. So we had a lot of fun stories from him, and you know, Tom is the most amazing gentleman you could possibly imagine. And so to hear him get you know roll up his sleeves and really you know maybe try to add a little extra oomph into his driver because he needed to make sure he outdrove Mark every time. Um, it, was, right. it was a lot of fun to watch. And, and I have to say, the competition was so good, I can't even hint to how it ended. You're going to have to watch because oh, the ending was um, a little unexpected, and it was very exciting to watch. So it, it was, it's going to be a great one-hour show, again, on Valley Sports Networks. It's on all of the major platforms, um, including YouTube and Hulu. So we're um, – we're really excited. It really came together nicely. And, you know, for me, it was just a pleasure as, you know, being a part of Versa Golf, but me just being, you know, a total golf nerd and totally proud of it um, mm-hmm. since I was a kid to, for me to be able to watch these incredible, you know, World Golf Hall of Fame members, former Ryder Cup captain, um, you know, 10 feet away from my face and watch every single shot that they made. It was, it was a, a true honor. You know, it's interesting, too, uh, you know, because uh, really what they're doing here, obviously, and we're going to talk about that here in a moment with, with Jasmine, um, you know, being able to sort of do all of this for, for a great cause, um, but sort of ushering in that next generation. You know, I don't know if you were able to catch any of the earlier conversation uh, this evening, but we really talked about, uh, you know, bringing the millennials into golf, um, you know, what we have mm-hmm. to do as an industry, uh, because they look at it differently. They're not, you know, sort of looking at it from a traditional golf uh, lens, if you will. So obviously, uh, Thomas and Sean probably fall within that group. I'm not sure what their ages are, but they're certainly, if not millennial age, they're, you know, uh, Generation Z, perhaps. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, so they're looking at golf. Now, obviously, they both grew up with, with dads at golf. So again, they, they may be along more of the traditional lines, but, you know, there, there's a difference. And, and just on a side note, I don't know if they, the two young guns thought about this, but they may want to pair up against their dads. That might be something for a future <laughs> event and say, you know, heck, heck with playing with dad. You know, let, let's show these old guys here how to really play golf and, uh, and get out there. And, uh, you know, Thomas and Sean may want to – I'm just throwing that out there. That might make 
for an interesting match that play in itself. Uh, I think so, you might be onto something. <laughs> yeah, you know, for, for I mean, it, viewers, it, you know, it, it, this this show definitely is, is fun to hear. You know, Sean and Thomas, they're in their 20s, and they both had right. different career paths, but still had fathers that went down this their own career path. But the neat thing is, is that, you know, I've got nieces and nephews that are in college and some just graduated and are starting in the workforce. So for them, you know, what was different for this particular generation versus when I was growing up in the golf industry is that I don't think back, I don't want to say back then because I'm not that old, but when I was growing <laughs> up in it, I don't think a lot of people in their teens and 20s really understood the magic of playing golf and having that in your arsenal of talents to help you in your career. Not that you have to be in the golf industry. I mean, listen, Ted, everybody knows that if you want to play golf as much as possible, don't work in the golf industry. We help everybody else. Right. The golf <laughs> <laughs> I right. Now, you know, I've got, I've got, like I said, I've got nieces and nephews and you know, I've got a couple of nephews that are have completely got bitten by the golf bug, and they understand that that's where you network, that's where you get jobs, that's where you make new friends. You know, there's, I think this generation, this group of like teens and 20-year-olds that are getting into this market, and they don't want to sit down in a traditional office space and have a mm-hmm. formal conversation. They would rather go out, play nine holes, and have lunch, play 18 holes, and yep. You know, that's where all the business gets done anyway. And you learn everything you need to know about somebody's personality. Are they honest? Do they have integrity? Do they have a sense of humor? What's their what's their anger threshold? You will find out in either nine or eighteen holes out on a golf course much faster than you will if you hire them to work for you. It may take six months to find that out. So yeah. I think it's a, I think golf as a tool um, is something that this younger generation um, has figured out. I wish that my friends now are learning that they should have picked up golf years ago when I was begging them to let me give them a golf lesson. <laughs> right, right. No, no, you're exactly right. And it's funny, you know, that you mentioned a moment ago about, you know, getting into the industry and, and not playing as much. I remember several years ago, I had a young uh, up-and-coming uh, teach professional that uh, came on the program and we were talking and and he said how excited he was and, you know, and, and, you know, I was obviously very happy for him and that. And he said, I'm looking forward to playing a lot of golf and so on and so forth. And I said, well, call me back in about three or four years time when your, 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 your lesson tee is, is booked up every day for eight to 10 hours and see how much golf you're playing. And it's funny because he texted me a couple of years back and he said, you know what, you were so spot on. He said, I haven't played golf in six months. He said, I'm so busy all the time. I said, well, that's why. You know, unless you're out on tour, you're not playing a lot of golf. But, um, right. you know, obviously it, it comes around. But uh, so, Jasmine, I want to move on to sort of the the, um, the other side of it is, is you know, we're going to see some, some great golf and some bantering and, and a lot of fun out there. Uh, but it's, it's also for a worthy cause. Before we get into some of the specifics um, of, of what's going to happen and, and, and so on and so forth, um, talk about a little bit, explain what, Elevate Phoenix is. For those that are not familiar with the organization, maybe you can just give a little background of what the organization is, what it does, and and then we'll get into some of the more specifics. Absolutely. You can never get me to not talk enough about my passion, <laughs> my purpose, and my calling. So, yeah, so Elevate Phoenix, we are a nonprofit organization 
that's pretty much embedded in urban schools. So all the Title I schools in Phoenix Union, we partner up with Phoenix Union High School, which is the biggest district in Arizona, servicing over 20,000 youth. So we actually come free to the school as an actual class called Peer Leadership, where we teach life skills, character development, leadership skills. And the counselors of the schools that we're in know exactly what we are doing, and so they help place those kids that are usually the last-ditch effort for a lot of the kids that are dropping out at like 52% and just really need some of that extra care. And if, if we can't help them, then unfortunately a lot of times they just get lost in the mix, right? So they place those students mm-hmm. into our class where us as the teachers, we have the perfect platform of being a teacher, but then earning the right to do life with our kids 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And what makes that unique is that during our class that they have to show up to every single day to earn credit, they actually also get to take those lessons that are there being taught and go down every single week to the theater elementary school kids and teach them what they are being taught and learning to be a mentor to their kiddos as they are being mentored mm-hmm. by their teachers. So now it holds them to a whole other level of accountability, and that's where you start seeing a lot of that change. So not only are you seeing their change because, wow, I have a little kid looking up to me as a mentor, but now they also have a caring adult pouring into their lives and showing them who we see them as, as the leaders they are. We have this slogan in Elevate Phoenix that we say that we get to be their hope holders. Anybody who pours into our kids are hope holders until our kids can hold the hope for themselves. Now, they can build on this class every single year for all four years, and then once Mm -hmm. they graduate, for a lot of them being first-generational high school grads, they actually get an opportunity to also be exposed to college. Now, we also recognize that all of our kids are college-bound, and that's okay because they are not only graduating as first-generational high school grads, but they're graduating at 98%. Mm-hmm. And not only do wow. we say, okay, that's a great accomplishment right there, but it's not where we end, right? And so we ask them mm-hmm. to go- continue on, and we scholarship them to the college for a summer bridge program called RISE. And RISE is just an acronym for relationships instruction, support, and equipping our kids to a brighter and bigger, better future. And what we do is we give them these two college courses where they earn six college credits over the summer, and then we ask them, okay, now that you've been exposed and you recognize this is not so scary and you can be the first to do it in your family, would you like to continue on to college? And if so, we'll help you find more scholarships. But we also recognize that all of our kids are college-bound, and that's okay. Because we also say, if that's not for you, what about a trade or a certificate program? And we'll help you find more resources mm-hmm. for that as well. And if not that, what about the military or armed forces? And if not that, how can we get you more skills to enter the workforce where you're truly able to help support the families that you say that is most important to you. And with that, they recognize and know that not only do they want to give back to their same families, but they're also giving back to the same communities that they just came out of by by becoming our alumni. So 100% of our youth leave their uh, post-secondary 
plans or programs with a plan. So they're either college, trade, military, or, or workforce. And now our alumni are coming back and becoming our interns, and we actually hire right out of the program. We actually have three teacher mentors as of right now that we've hired directly out of the program that they came out of. So it's pretty phenomenal, and I've never seen something so transformative in my entire life of just being a, a philanthropist myself. <laughs> well, and, and Jasmine, you know, really what it's all about is giving them, and, and you laid it out so well, is giving them the choice or the option of what they want to do. You know, again, they may not want to go to that next level in education, uh, you know, post-secondary, what have you. Um, they may want to go into the armed forces or they may want to go into to some other uh, area. But the fact that they have the option to do so, and it's up to them, it's their choice. Nobody else, is, certainly, your, you know, uh, counselors and so forth can, can be there to, to help guide and, uh, in the process. But it gives them the option and, and the choice to pretty much do whatever they want, and, and also at the same time, it encourages them to want to give back to within their community, yeah. to keep sort of pay it forward, if you will, not to coin a phrase, but, um, and, and that's so important, and it's something I think, um, you know, as I look back, I wish we had more of that when I was growing up. I mean, I went in the services and, oh, yeah. and you know, did some time there, but, you know, I, I wish we had more of that thinking, you know, 20, 30 well, I'm not going to tell you how old I am either. So, uh, but many moons ago, let's put it that put it that way. So, um, so you know, that's something that I, I'm very glad to see we're, we're leaning towards more and more of. And and obviously, your your organization uh, is is certainly a leader in that. And, and I want to touch on one other thing. Speaking of philanthropy, uh, you guys have a great sponsor uh, in Great Clips oh, yeah. that has really stepped up. Tell us a little bit about what they're doing. They're really stepping up, uh, and they're not being shy about it. Oh, not at all. And you know what's, what's so amazing, Ted, is that we are actually, this is the first year being our, in our second year of having this opportunity because our, our alumni and our students know how much they are cared for and invested in with people like Ray Barton of Great, of Great Clips and hearing about this amazing match we are having our kids actually getting involved and becoming donors themselves this year specifically we've already had more students than ever get involved by making their own donate their own donations and it's a huge mm -hmm. thing to people like great clips so ray barton has generously offered up uh yet again another fifty thousand dollar match so anyone wow. who donates any level, they automatically get to double that donation up to $50,000 mm -hmm. just by simply saying, hey, you know what, this is a worthy cause. I want to be a part of the solutions. And you know what? Okay, my $50 turns into 100 or my 5000 turns into 10000 So, I mean, whether it's $50, $500, or $5,000, Every single dollar goes right back to the program and will be matched dollar for dollar because of people like Great Clips and Ray Barton and, and our, other, our other sponsors, even with the, uh, with the Gollies, the Golly, um oh, my gosh, why did I just blank out? Golly, I'm so sorry. plastic surgery. <laughs> Thank right. you. Wow, that's yep. horrible. Yeah. So Dr. Heather and Dr. <laughs> Brian, 
they are an amazing, you know, another sponsor who just continue to do huge things and, and, and pour back in as well. And between great clips and the golly plastic surgeries, they are showing our kids with action, you know, that they're worth the investment. And so, yeah, every person who wants to even learn more, any donation that they get, not only is it being matched dollar for dollar, but at any level, they will get put into a drawing for some pretty amazing prizes that it's just kind mm. of growing. More and more people are like, you know what, I want to add to that, that VIP gift basket that they're going to win for whoever's the winner. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just so impressed with the more and more people are hearing and learning more about us. They are just wanting to get involved. So at any level puts you into the drawing, and we are going to run this, you know, fundraiser throughout the month of July, even after, you know, um, the show was aired. So more and more people can not only give back financially, but have an opportunity to win these awesome opportunities within the, the grand prize and even second prize winners. So definitely excited about all that's involved. Well, that's fantastic. And just on a side note, uh, Jasmine, don't feel bad. Welcome to my world. I forget names and stuff too. So <laughs> oh my you're, gosh, that's you're horrible. Welcome, I, welcome oh. to the club. <laughs> it's um, already been a so, long day. I would never forget their names. Oh, I know. Listen, so it, it happens. It it happens. And and uh, but that's uh, it, all good. Um, Jill, let me just ask you because uh, Jasmine sort of led us perfectly into this. Now, so let's talk about some of the prizes. There are some special prizes. Um, maybe oh, if you yeah. want to just kind of go through a, a quick list of, of some of the things that, that people can uh, can participate in and hopefully win. Completely my pleasure. And Jasmine is correct. Um, the donations keep coming in to make this luxury Father's Day-themed basket even bigger and better. Um, I can tell you that right off the top, Tom and Mark uh, wanted to get involved. So, Tom has an incredible, gorgeous coffee table book that is uh, called A Passion for the Game, and it's kind of his memoir um, that there will be an autographed copy of his book. Uh, Mark O'Mara, as most of your listeners know, um, he is in the World Golf Hall of Fame, but he also is a former Masters champion, and he graciously donated a signed uh, Masters flag. Um, In addition to that, Hmm. one of our major sponsors is Troon, so not only did Troon help us secure the Weston Carolyn Golf Club as the site for the Father's Day match for a cause, but they also contributed a national Troon foursome card. So, and that has a value of up to $1,000. And that gets you into all wow. of Troon's properties in the United States for up to four people. Um, additionally, we have Envy Skin Lounge, which is our friends that Jasmine just spoke about, Dr. Heather St. Peter and Dr. Brian Gowley, and there is a amazing spa services that you can utilize um, with Great Clips, our major sponsor of the giveaway. Um, basically, it's almost a year's worth of haircuts. Um, Sean O'Mara has a clothing company called Duvin Design, um, and he is going to be donating some product as well. And then also we have Urban Loss Cable Company with a luxury home mm-hmm. fragrance collection. These, this is a, a new company that has burst onto the scenes, golf tournaments, resorts, spas, 
are really jumping into their uh, customizable labels and, and really some fun things you can do for gifting. And they were generous enough to give us one of their most exclusive collections. We also have, and, and I know I mentioned to you, um, Marvin the Golf Caddy Dog, um, which mm-hmm. is the uh, – it's for – Initially, it was for juniors, and as the years have gone on, it's it's really suited for beginner players. Um, uh, for any of those dog enthusiasts out there, it's a, a story, amazing storybook about a golden retriever that finds his way out to a golf course, meets a little boy named Ted and Molly, and it's all of their fun times on the golf course. There's rules, there's etiquette, but there's also some really heartwarming stories. Um, I have to shamelessly plug that it is um, authored by my amazing <laughs> father, Harold Mann, and my dad was able to bring me in for some creative help. So he and I were able to develop this collection of seven books um, and a head cover that will all be included in the basket as well. Um, our friends at Tour Edge um, and at Ernest Sports are also going to be donating some items, and they also will be playing major sponsor roles during the broadcast when you tune in on Sunday. And that is the grand prize, but there, as Jasmine said, there is also a second place prize, which is equally as compelling. And it's two tickets to Tom Lehman's Elevate Phoenix Invitational Gala Celebration. It happens every November hmm. at Phoenix Country Club. It's taking place just a couple of weeks after the Schwab Cup Championship. And it is the most amazing weekend with a gala the first night and a celebrity am the second night, rubbing elbows with Charles Barkley and with, obviously, with our buddy Tom, of course. Um, But we also, you know, Mm -hmm. Dennis Haysberg, and we've just had some amazing support from all of Tom's um, special friends. Um, But this is a chance for two people to come to this amazing cocktail party and auction um, and really see something pretty amazing. We've had David Faraday join us as our celebrity guest. We've had Jonathan Kane from Journey. Um, last year we were blessed mm-hmm. with Dan Hicks and Dennis Haysberg, the amazing voice and character behind all state commercials, but also I love him as Serrano for major league going back a few years. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, so between the luxury gift basket and the second place prize, you know, I do want to mention, although donations are appreciated, you do not have to make a purchase to be involved. We would just love you to share your email address with us, with Elevate Phoenix, so Jasmine and her incredible creative team can let you know about all the other amazing programs that go on throughout the year and what all of these very special students Um, their success stories, you know, coming out of the most difficult situations. And certainly during the last year of COVID, her students and the Elevate Phoenix students and teacher mentors have really been up against it. And what Elevate Phoenix was able to do under the most difficult of circumstances, I got to tell you, you know, I've, I've been with Elevate Phoenix helping them with multiple events over the last five years. And I fall more in love with them year after year because, been able to see these kids start as freshmen, graduate, and go on to such amazing careers and become amazing people in the community that I can honestly tell all of your listeners, any dollar that is spent, it is going towards helping the future of Phoenix and the community that we all live in, and they will grow and blossom into wherever you may live. Um, But it certainly is money extremely well spent. 
you know, it, it, it some great points. And, and, you know, it is so important to, you know, not only give back, you know, through educational opportunities and, and things, but obviously within the communities, there's just, especially with what's going on this last year, it's been so difficult for so many people. So, you know, anytime you can do something to, you know, uplift a community and, 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 uh, and obviously it, it's going to be paid forward outside of a community because obviously people do move and, and travel around and that. So it's obviously, you know, anytime you, you do things like that, it, it's always, um, always has a, a way of, of coming back many times over, um, you know, through these young children and, and so forth. And I think it's, um, you know, they always, that old saying, you know, an education is, what was that? And I can't remember now, but this is my senior moment coming in. But, um, you know, you, we, you know, a, t- a mind is a terrible thing to waste. It was what I was trying to think of. You know, we used to hear that. And it's so true. And, and I'm living proof of it. So, um, but anyways, uh, but no, it, it's such a great, uh, great cause. And I'm, I'm very happy to, uh, to give you uh, um, access to my platform to, to help spread the word. Let me just go back quickly to uh, Marvin, the golf caddy dog. Let me just say, uh, first off, um, uh, thank you, Harold, for inserting my name, uh, Ted, into one of the characters. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. I know. It's not, I know. We, we, I, when we, I saw that, I thought, <laughs> exactly. So uh, I, I appreciate that very much, and, and I'm going to grapple onto that. Uh, I know it's not really me, but I'm going to say it is anyway. It's just to tell people. Um, but Ted, um, now I'm putting your face into that now, Ted, because I've I've read that book and it has helped me tremendously, might I add. And I am now going to literally think of you every time I see it now. <laughs> well, I, well, thank you. Uh, I, I'm going to have to. Uh, I'm going to look forward to getting it myself and, and reading it. Uh, just very quickly, Jill, uh, where can the folks, if they want to uh, purchase a, or get a copy, where can they learn more about it, and where can they uh, get their hot little hands? Is there a website they can go to? Yeah, if you go to the book man man m a n n, that will take you to the Marvin the Golf Caddy Dog website, where you can learn all about all of the different products. We've got golf activity books coloring books. Our newest and what has turned out to be our bestseller is our Golf 101. And that really gets into all of the rules changes, and goodness knows there was many of them. But all the rules mm-hmm. changes that occurred in the last couple of years um, are spelled out. How do you read a scorecard? What, what items do you put into your golf bag? Plus a glossary of terms to help not just kids, but to help beginner players. Um, you know, get into the game and understand the terminology so that when they get out to the golf course, it doesn't seem so foreign. Um, but, yeah, so the mm-hmm. bookman, And the other fun thing about the website is that there is an Ask Marvin button that you can select. Send Marvin a question. Find out what his perspective is. What's Marvin's favorite part of the game? Or if you have rules questions <laughs> or strategy questions, um, I certainly help out with those instruction questions with my LPGA background. Um, But we have kids that say, hey, you know what, Marvin, I had a bad day at school today. Do you have any ideas on Mm -hmm. how I can, you know, do better in school? And we have a um, child psychologist that helps us out if we get into a question that might be a little bit more sensitive. Um, But certainly we don't Mm -hmm. get into anything that's, you know, a little too deep. But we try to keep everything really with a fun, fluffy answer so they – they feel that they're talking directly with Marvin the dog. 
Um, but it's really, it's a lot of fun. We've been going to the PGA show for years with obviously the exception of this last year. And, you know, we have people that yeah. have come to us every single year saying, what's the next book? What's the next book? And summertime mm-hmm. is really our busiest time as a lot of the golf schools and golf clinics that are going on during the summertime. Um, those schools will send us a roster of their students. And my dad or I will hand sign every single book dedicated to each individual student. And that book becomes their reward or their um, certificate of completion of the golf school. So my dad, the poor Mm. guy, has like carpal tunnel by the end of the summer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's for just tell him, keep telling him it's for a worthy cause. Um, Exactly. You know, I think it's such a great way. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a great way. You know, I, one of the comments I made in an earlier segment tonight um, prior to, to both of you coming on was, you know, really introducing golf, not just to the millennials, that was our topic of conversation, but even the younger yeah. generations. Golf, unlike so many other games, is really not as well entrenched in the school systems, uh, you know, say it's baseball or football or basketball is. Um, and, and for obvious reasons, it's, it's much more costly to, to do um, but what a great way to introduce a younger generation of kids, and I'm talking little kids, through a book like this, you know, letting them have some fun and, and just sort of, sort of piquing their interest a little bit um, in a fun, creative way. Um, it's certainly not going to teach them the golf swing, and it's not going to teach them, uh, you know, necessarily all the fundamentals of golf, but it's a great way to introduce them to a game and say, hey, you know what, I never thought about that, uh, or just a fun way, as you said, to uh, help them interact uh, with a character that they can uh, you know, sort of fall in love with a little bit, if you will. And I think that's uh, kudos to both you and your father uh, for doing that, because I think it's a great way to, to sort of dip, dip their toes in the sand, if you will. Well, Go ahead, Jill. I appreciate that. And, and you know, over the years of, of all of the lessons that I've taught to so many countless juniors, and, you know, when I teach a junior, I, I typically also have to train their parents a little bit as well. And mm-hmm. everybody sees all of the videos of years past of Tiger at age three on national television swinging a golf club, and they yep. think their child can do that too. And after I break <laughs> the news, um, you know, I, I really have to say, you know, when you're dealing with kids that are young, the first part of it is they just have to be interested for themselves. So my dad was very wise, and he would give me a bag of bread and take me out to the golf course, and I would feed the ducks when I was six and seven years old yep. while he played golf. Right. Very genius move, very strategic. And yep. as he kept me out there, and I saw, yes, the ducks and the birds and the foxes and whatever else was out there for the day, I eventually said, hey, Dad, I want to putter. Hey, Dad. I want to hit an iron. Hey, Dad, can I have my first junior Hogan set of clubs? I want to get going. And it came from my <laughs> right. own inner passion. So what Marvin mm-hmm. the Golf Caddy Dog does, it, it, it allows kids to get, it allows the parents to have a tool to get their kids involved in a fun way. So our most popular coloring book is the ABCs of golf. And it's every page is, is you know, A through Z letter in the alphabet. And, what it does is, for example, B's for bunker. So what kids and what parents are doing is they're coloring the books, they're looking at the letters, they're learning the terms, and then the parents are sitting their kids down, for example, this week during the U.S. Open, saying, I want you to look on the telecast, and I want you to find and point out a bunker. One of the, um, 
you know, there's other terms that, it, you know, whether it's a water hazard or whether it's a cart path. So there's different terms that you can use our collection of books and the kids can watch. So it, again, see this, there's a little subliminal message here because it allows, you mm-hmm. know, the bread allowed my dad to play golf. The coloring books allow the parents to actually watch the U.S. Open, but it gives an interactive, fun activity as a family to start to learn the terminology while you watch the professional golf. And that goes for the LPGA or PGA or PGA Champions Tour um, broadcast. By using our collection of books to try to see if you can say, okay, I just colored a tee box. There's a tee box on the screen, mom and dad or grandma and grandpa. And so it's really turned out to be a fun tool to then have the kids say, hey, will you take me out to a real golf course in person? I want to go see what a real tee box looks like. I want to go rake a bunker. I want to see what a golf cart looks like and take a drive. So it helps draw that interest out of the kids. And at the same time, it allows the parents to really, you know, feel excited that, hey, I may have a kid that could learn to have a passion for golf just like I do. Well, exactly. And, and you know, quite often what happens as, as a young child, you look to your parents, and when you see them doing something and it piques your interest, I mean, how many times, um, you know, if you're there with a the child and, you know, you're doing something over here and they're curious, they're like, well, what are you doing over here? So, you know, right. even though you were not of an age to, to really get out there and play, he at least exposed you and, and for the mere cost of a loaf of bread, uh, exposed you <laughs> to something that obviously here you are, you know, years later, um, very passionate about enjoying and, and you've built a, a very successful, uh, you know, a career around it, all based on feeding the ducks and the birds and whatnot on a golf course, you know, uh, so many years back. So it was very ingenious of him to do that, and um, you oh, know, and, and also it was a way of him doing right without <laughs> right without forcing you, you know. Because I mean, I was very fortunate. My father played golf and played you know quite well, and you know he introduced me, and obviously I gravitated it very quickly. But you know, sometimes kids don't maybe want to go that route. Maybe they don't want to get out there and be swinging a golf club right away. So you know you have to find other ways of again sort of dipping their toe in the sand, if you will, and that was a very ingenious yep. on his part to do that because your 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 natural curiosity as a child you know is is in sort of turbo overdrive, and uh you know lo and behold it's well i don't want to just feed the birds, I want to putter, and then it you know escalated from there, and as I said, here you are um what I want to do. Uh, we've only got a little bit of time left, so I want to make sure that we're diligent in giving the information out. So let's just very quickly, we'll start with uh, the tournament uh, itself. Uh, it's premiering Father's Day, which is Sunday, June 20th at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Where can they go if they want to see that? Obviously, a lot of places, but you said it's uh, featured on Valley Sports Networks. Um, and then also I want to give the Elevate Phoenix uh, information as well, where they can go to uh, participate in uh, donations and what have you. So, um, Jill, I'm going to let you start, and then uh, Jasmine, please jump in and, and offer uh, um, on behalf of Elevate Phoenix. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, Ted. So, correct. So, Valley Sports Network, which some people are still getting used to it, as it used to be for years, known as Fox Sports. So it's on Valley Sports Mm -hmm. Network, so whatever your cable platform may be. But it's also on Dish Network, DirecTV, Hulu. It's on YouTube Live. 
Um, and then mm-hmm. it's also going to be replayed multiple times throughout the rest of June and maybe into July. Um, it is actually 1.30 Eastern time, so 10.30 on the okay. West Coast. Um, and it's a okay, one-hour gotcha. broadcast. Yeah, it's a one-hour broadcast. And um, as Jasmine mentioned, the uh, Great Clips $50,000 match campaign will continue on through the month of July. Uh, we will close the um, the competition or the drawing, I should say, um, on July 31st, and on August 1st, you will get the one and only Jasmine Hall reaching out to you saying, you're a winner, you're a winner. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be a really exciting way to to, ra- to rally around whether you whether your father is somebody you're going to be with that day, or maybe you can watch it together on Zoom if they're on the other side of the country. Um, it'll be a great a great experience and a great way to kick off um, Sunday of the U.S. Open, and, and there's Par three competitions, lots of conversation between Tom Lehman, Mark O'Meara, and their sons. Um, you know, we couldn't have done it without Great Clips, without Troon Golf, without the Weston Kierland, and so much support from the local Arizona Golf Association and everything they've done um, to help get the information out so that we can support um, Jasmine's incredible students and teacher mentors of Elevate Phoenix. And, and Jasmine, go ahead. Um, also wanted to, you know, thank all those sponsors again. Father's Day Met for a Cause was sponsored by AZ Turf and more, which they were phenomenal in, in the second year as well. And like I said, Golly Plastic Surgery, they are phenomenal and just not only being, you know, phenomenal and wonderful donors and, and philanthropists, but truly just having a heart for the, the city and, and and making a difference that way. And you can truly go right to our website to learn about all those amazing, you know, gifts and, and things that you can win, just like Jill kind of mentioned, right at our elevatephoenix.org slash match for a cause. Or if that's too much to remember, literally just go to elevatephoenix.org and it's right there on our landing page as well. So um, you can go not only just registered, like Jill stated before, you don't have to purchase anything to be put into the drawing, but anybody who does any donation, regardless, it will be matched. Thanks again to um, Great Clips and Ray Barton, up to $50,000, dollar for dollar match. Mm. Um, and 100% of that goes right back to all of our programs. So not only will you have something fun to do for Father's Day, you will also recognize and know that you're making a difference in the lives of our future leaders. And so we at Elevate Phoenix are so incredibly grateful, first to you, Ted, for taking the time to have us Mm -hmm. on your show, and and to all your amazing listeners who uh, any donation becomes one of those hope holders that we speak of, and we are forever grateful for whether it's $50, $500, or $5,000. Go to Elevate Phoenix dot org match for a cause and make a difference <laughs> well i appreciate that jasmine and thank you very much for your kind words and and um also uh for those listening to the show if you're interested in getting a copy of marvin the golf caddy dog uh you can visit the website www.thebookman spelled m-a-n-n dot com and that will lead you where you need to go. And uh, it sounds like a great book. And, hey, I'm in it. So, you know, you can't ask for any better than that. And um, 
So uh, a little shameless plug, but anyways. Um, and also for those of you out there that uh, want to work with someone who is a great uh, corporate leader and obviously uh, a golf event management company, uh, Jill Streit is the person to see. And uh, you can reach out to her on her website at www.versatilegolf.com. Um, and all of the different social media platforms that she's on as well. I'm sure she'll be more than happy. And Jill, I, I know we've talked about it before, and unfortunately we're, we're running out of time, but I'll have you back on, and you can talk a little bit more about specifically about your company. But um, I appreciate both of you ladies coming on tonight and sharing this, and um, I think it's uh, obviously a great, great event, but obviously more importantly for a great cause. And kudos to both of you and all of the other helpers and volunteers that have taken part in making this successful. And I'm serious. You need to get those two young boys to team up and go against their dads because I think that's going to even be a bigger match <laughs> than this one here. I think you need to put – you need to drop the bomb. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Mark's mom could handle it. If, if Sean, I mean, Sean, even though he doesn't play professionally, he did play in college. And he is quite a stick. He's definitely a single-digit handicapper. So I don't know. If Thomas and Sean are able to really give Mark and Tom a run for their money, it might be a really uncomfortable Thanksgiving dinner this fall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they might run scared, but that's that's all it takes. And you know what? It's for a worthy (laughs) cause. So that's something for future. That's something maybe for next year, maybe to – uh, to think about this year, we'll we'll stick it as is. But uh, they may want to team up and and uh, sh- show up the two old guys. So, um, but ladies, thank you very much for coming on tonight, uh, Jill and, and Jasmine. Uh, keep up the great work. And uh, anytime I can do anything to help uh, with with lend my uh, support and that and my voice, I'm always happy to do that. So just feel free to to reach out as you've done here, and and I'll be happy to have you back on again. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate you. Have a phenomenal week and even better weekend. Thank you both very much. Um, have a great, uh, a great successful event, and uh, keep me posted. I'd love to hear how things turn out. Thank you. Will do. All right. All right, that was uh, Jill Streit and Jasmine Hall uh, talking about a great event coming up, uh, this uh, premiering this weekend Father's Day, uh, Sunday, June 20th at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time or 1.30 Eastern Time uh, on the Bally Sports Networks and a lot of different uh, uh, carriers, uh, Dish, uh, Dish uh, Satellite, uh, DirecTV, Comcast, Hulu, uh, YouTube Live, all kinds of areas, so you can just check out where they are. And if you want to get more information uh, on Elevate Phoenix uh, and about uh, what a great uh, organization they are and how you can help Uh, Through this is a great process as well. Uh, You can go to elevatephoenix.org, and on their landing page, uh, you can just uh, look for Match for a Cause. And uh, uh, again, special thanks to many of the sponsors, and particularly uh, Great Clips for stepping up and and really uh, doing their uh, dollar-for-dollar match. Um, What a a great way to to help a a, a worthwhile organization like Elevate Phoenix. And uh, also, again, uh, just finally, if uh, you're interested in uh, getting a copy of Jill and her father Harold's uh, book, Marvin the Golf Caddy Dog, go to uh, thebookman, spelled M-A-N-N, dot com, and uh, you can purchase it there. And obviously, if you want to reach out to Jill, 
and uh, get her to help you maybe with an organization uh, event or special event that you may be working on, or maybe just uh, getting her to help you with your golf game. You can reach out to her uh, at her website, versatilegolf.com, and it's V-E-R-S-A-I-L, uh, sorry, S-A-T-I-L-E golf.com. That's versatilegolf.com. Thank you, everybody, for joining me this evening. And again, a special thanks to John uh, Hughes and Jamie Leno-Zimron for joining me earlier on the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, hopefully, you guys uh, enjoyed listening to that segment as well. And I will see you next week right here on Golf Talk Live with another great panel and another great special guest. God bless. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there, and enjoy this weekend's events. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel, and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.